Tune in every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock right here on KPIR 1420 AM for an hour that can change your life. Join us from 10 to 11 a.m. for a wonderful time of inspiring music as well as an encouraging Bible message from the Ministry of Generations Church. Be encouraged and blessed by hearing God's Word with practical principles that you can apply in your life every day. That's 10 to 11 a.m. Sundays right here on 1420 a.m. Welcome to Worship in the Word with Generations Church of Granbury. You are invited to stay tuned for the next 59 minutes to enjoy some inspiring music from one of Hood County's wonderful congregations as well as an encouraging message from the Bible. The songs you are about to enjoy are from the Generations Church worship team led by Pastor Shake Anderson with the Gen Praise Band and on special occasions some great guest musicians. Later on in the broadcast, you may hear a proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, along with some teaching from the Bible with Pastor Alan Ladder or another generation's church leader or special guest. So without any further delay, welcome to Worship in the Word with Generations Church.
You are listening to Worship and the Word with Generations Church of Granbury. Stay tuned for more inspiring music and a message from the Bible.
The Bible says to magnify the Lord. When we magnify Him, we don't make Him bigger than what He is, but we make our view of Him bigger. I love the line in that song that says, we love Him because with Him our afflictions are eclipsed by His glory. You ever see a lunar eclipse? It makes the moon look bigger than the sun. The sky goes dark when the the moon is at that perfect position between us and the sun. The moon is eclipsing the sun. And sometimes in our lives, we allow our afflictions to eclipse his glory. But when we magnify him, he gets it right. We see him for who he is. And he loves us. He so loves us that he gave his only son. If, you could, if you're a parent, you could understand just how precious of a gift that would be. I mean, it doesn't get any more precious to demonstrate his love for us. Lord, I just pray for every person here who does not know your love. I pray today, Lord, you would give them a revelation. Before the sun goes down today, Lord, their life would be eclipsed by your glory. In Moritz and Jamie Smith are dedicating their son, the young Mr. Jeremiah. Alexander Heat Smith. Dedicating a child is a precious thing. We don't baptize babies. We wait till they become believers and then at the Lord's bidding, they do it in obedience to Him. We baptize them. But we do dedicate them to the Lord as, a, as an offering. Child dedication is a ceremony in which parents make a vow to God to raise up their children according to His Word and to disciple that child for the Lord. Jamie and Maritz, do you take this challenge? The disciple Jeremiah to the Lord. All right. Jeremiah, you've been given to the Lord. As we anoint you with oil, we pray, Lord, anoint this young man as his parents raise him in your ways, Lord. Give them divine insights into how to raise him in the way he should go according to his unique bent. Lord, make him a bow to shoot arrows for you far into the future, Lord. May Jeremiah Alexander Pete Smith be a mighty man of God in Jesus' name. We pray, Lord, for safety and protection for his health physically, 
mentally and spiritually in every way, Lord. Bless the work of his hands. Provide for all of his needs all the days of his life and use him mightily for your glory. Lord, give this mother and father wisdom, this husband and wife wisdom on how to raise this young man of God in your ways. This is a holy moment, says the Lord. I have set you apart even at an early age. And you have a mind that is very unusual. You see things already at your age that are beyond your years. And we speak over you, O young man of God, that you will minister to your generation in kindness and wisdom, that you will bring joy to kids wherever you go. And as you grow in me, I will lead you and I will guide you. And my words will come out of your mouth. And they will astound you. And you will step back and say, wait a minute, did that come out of me? And I'll say to you, yeah, you let me speak through you today. We just thank you, Father, for this holy moment. And we feel the call of God on this child's life yes, in Jesus' Lord. name. Thank you, Lord, for blessing us with children. Good morning, and welcome to Generations Church. Today we have our GenRev Bake Sale after service in the fellowship foyer. Take advantage of this morning's opportunity to get some delicious desserts after our service. If you like cakes, pies, cookies, and brownies, today is your day for enjoying your favorites. The proceeds from today's bake sale are for helping our youth group to raise funds for their upcoming Reveal Student Conference and Retreat in April. So make sure you buy up all the desserts. We want you to join us this Saturday at First Methodist Church for our amazing monthly citywide food outreach. On the third Saturday of each month, our town's local pantries join forces and bring in a freshly filled and refrigerated 18-wheeler and empty it completely for the needy in our community. If you're in need of groceries, come and receive. And if you can help us hand out the food, please join us as well. And those are just a few of the many great things that are coming up at Generations. To get more information about everything going on, visit generationspeople.org and by liking our Facebook page. My name is Brandon, and we'll see you next time. Who do I think Jesus was? I think that he was a man who was spiritually enlightened. Friend, someone who helped people, and they liked him a lot. <laughs> He's just a messenger of God. Okay. He was the master of the earth, heavens, and universe. He was the greatest, and he always will be. <laughs> That's quite a question. He's really, I mean, he's really, he saved a lot of people, and he's a real good guy. I don't believe he exists, personally. A famous person that people believe in. A person that's come down to help us all. He's uh, probably a pretty cool bloke who came ages ago, then disappeared. <laughs> I certainly think he was something special. It's just someone people worship. Son of God, supposedly, if you believe in that kind of thing. A bloke. He lived in Bethlehem. Got no clue. Uh, the son of God, isn't he? No? <laughs> uh, the saviour of all mankind. He's nothing to me personally, but... He'll have been some random fellow who's been made out to be a lot more than he actually is, and everything's been built on some really nice bloke. Person in the Bible. Jesus Christ, you mean? Jesus is the Son of God, and he's, he's just an example to us all of who we should be. He was there for forgiveness. The Son of God, and he died to save our sins. 
but he wasn't actually sort of like the son of God or anything like that. He's a prophet. I don't really know. Sorry. He was just a bloke that started preaching to people about God and that. Some sort of prophet, don't you reckon? Just a man, really. I don't know. Jesus is the son of God. Yeah, our saviour. Austin Slatton will be reading our text today. This is John 1, chapter 1, verse 35 through 51. It says, Again the next day John stood with two of his disciples, and looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned, and seeing them following, said to them, What do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, which is translated teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. Now it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Now when Jesus looked at him, he said, You are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. The following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses is the law. And also the prophets wrote Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered to him, Before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Most assuredly, I say, hereafter you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. You are listening to Worship and the Word with Generations Church of Granbury. Verse 29 of John 1 said, The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Verse 35, Again the next day John stood with two of his disciples, we're going to find out who those are. And looking at Jesus, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. He was beholding the Lamb of God and telling others to behold the Lamb of God. Who is this Lamb of God? Peter said he is the one who redeems us with his precious blood, not with corruptible things, not with dry, dead religion, but with his life. His, as a lamb was given to cover the sins of of the nation of Israel once a year for their atonement, so the Lamb of God was given for all time on the cross for our, not just our atonement, atonement covers for a season. Redemption is permanent. We have been freed. Are you glad about it? And the two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus. Now one of these disciples is John. The Apostle John, the writer John. It's interesting that he never calls John the baptizer John the baptizer or John the Baptist. He just calls him John. 
but himself, he's either the other disciple or the beloved disciple or one of the sons of Zebedee, or he doesn't, he doesn't describe him. And in this case, he's going to give the name of one of those two disciples, but he never gives who he is, and yet he names the exact time when these guys got to know the Lord. Sounds kind of personal. You remember when you became a Jesus follower? You remember the time? It's an important time. The two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Now, John the Baptist had been preparing the way for the Messiah to come. There's one coming after me. Get ready. Repent of your sins. Restore people who you have cheated. Return the things you have stolen. Stop your sinning. Come here and let me dip you in these waters as a sign of a new beginning that you're going to become a follower of this Messiah. And so he had quite a following along the banks of the Jordan River. And then when Jesus appears, he had to tell his followers, hey, here's the guy I've been talking about. And right here, right off the bat, two of his disciples leave him and begin to follow Jesus. Jesus turned and seeing them following, said to them, what do you seek? And they said to him, rabbi or teacher, where are you staying? Why do they want to know where he stayed? Maybe, hey, it's important that we've met you. We need to know where you're staying in case we lose touch with you. We'll know where to find you. I don't know. He said to them, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. Now it was about the 10th hour, which is four o'clock in the afternoon. They remembered this, I believe, because one of those guys was John, who's writing this book decades later. One of the two, now here he's going to give the name of the other one, one of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Now at the time he was known as Simon's brother, not Simon Peter's brother, because Simon was given a name later on, as we're about to see. So Andrew, verse 41, first found his own brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. We found him. And he brought him to Jesus. Now Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. Simon Johnson, or Simon Bar Jonah, was who this guy was. Now there are other Simons in the land, but this guy was a unique person. He was impetuous. He often would open his mouth just to change feet. Somebody needed to give him some mint-flavored socks. At times, he is annoying. And yet the Lord, who knows what's in man, the next chapter says he knew all people. He knew what was in them. He knew what he was in for, greets him with love, and gives him a new name. Now, there's nothing wrong with the name Simon. Simon means listener, hearer. But Simon, the son of Jonah... That Simon wasn't a very good hearer. It's interesting in another place in the Gospels where the Lord is transfigured on a mountain with Peter, James, and John, and there appears with him Moses, one of the heroes of the Old Testament, and Elijah. It's a holy moment. It's time to be quiet. It's time to learn. And Peter blurts out, let's build three tabernacles. One for Moses. He's ready to start a new religion. One for Elijah and one for Jesus. A voice from heaven silenced him with these words. This is my son. Listen to him. Finally, Simon got it. And you know where he got it? After he had denied the Lord, the Lord had told him Satan was going to sift you, going to tempt you. You're going to have problems. And he said, no, I'm never going to deny you. He just didn't listen to the fact there's going to come a testing his way. 
And when it came, he denied the Lord to the point he swore and cussed to try to convince people he had never met the Lord. And then, of course, as the Lord predicted, a rooster crowed and he was weeping. So in the last chapter of this book, when he restores Peter, he says, do you love me? Yes, I love you. And he predicted his death. One day he would glorify the Lord. And at the time of the writing of this book, Peter had already died. So Simon did become a listener, and he became a solid man. Cephas, or Peter, means a rock. He became a foundational person because he eventually learned to live up to his name, Simon. Isn't that good? I guess he wasn't very good at this point playing Simon Says. Verse 42, And he brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus looked at him, he said, You are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated as stone. Cephas is Aramaic. Peter is Greek, or Petros is Greek. The following day, verse 43, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee. And he found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Isn't this funny? Jesus finds Philip and Philip says, I found the Lord. Isn't that like us? When did you find the Lord? Meanwhile, the Lord is the one that found us. He opened our eyes where we could see, hey, I need a relationship with the Son of God. So he calls him Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathaniel, not real fond of Nazareth. We find out later on in this book, he's from Cana, which is a neighboring town. Said, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. Now there was a proverb in that day that said, no prophet ever comes out of Galilee. And Nazareth was a town in, in the region called Galilee. But there's no reason to say Nazareth was worse than other towns. Now, I've been there uh, back in the 90s. I was blessed to be able to go there. And it's like a God-forsaken one-goat town in Mexico. It's pretty rough. And the humility of the Son of God leaving the glories of heaven to come to earth and live there really is humbling. There's a lot of villages there like that. But when the Lord greets him, he doesn't rebuke him. Hey, Cana's not so great either. He just saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom is no deceit. The old King James says, In whom is no guile. The Greek translation of the Old Testament, which is already present at this time, called the Septuagint, in relating the story of Jacob, deceiving his father to steal his brother's blessing, says that he used deceit. That same Greek word there from Hebrew translated for deceit is the word used here. I just think that's interesting because he calls him an Israelite. Jacob became an Israel over a process of time, just as Simon became a Peter. He's the great transformer, Jesus says. And here this guy, he's speaking favorably of his future because he wasn't perfect. Nobody comes to the Lord perfect. And yet the Lord speaks favorably of his future. He's the God that calls those things which be not as though they were, is he not? Told Abram he was Abraham. You know, you're the father of many. I want you to change your name to that. Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom is no deceit. 
Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Now, we don't know what was going on under the fig tree. People have guessed he's reading the Bible. People have guessed he's reading the very story of Jacob becoming Israel. The Lord greets him like this. All I know is fig trees, when they're big, make great shade trees to the point it's hard for things to grow under them. He was under the fig tree, communing with God probably. Nathanael is amazed by this and said to him, Rabbi or teacher, you are the son of God. You are the king of kings. Just this simple word of knowledge convinced him. He had been introduced to Jesus as the son of Joseph and there dawned in his heart, this guy is the son of God. Jesus answered and said to him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? You'll see greater things than these. He's about to see thousands fed with a small meal. He's about to see the dead raised, the sick healed. Jesus walking on water. Water turned into wine in the next chapter. And yet this guy is thrilled with the word of knowledge. We should be as thankful for whatever the Lord gives us. In closing, verse 51, he said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, hereafter, you shall see heaven open and the angels ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. He's alluding to a story in Genesis chapter 28 where Jacob had ran for his life. His brother wanted to kill him. And he had to leave home because he cheated his brother out of his father's blessing. And... He's friendless. He's alone. He's desperate. And at night, God visits him and gives him a vision of a ladder going from earth to heaven and angels coming down and going up and a voice speaks to him favorably of his future telling him he's going to you know, inherit this land or in which he's friendless. This land's going to be his. His descendants are going to be great and mighty. And so he names that place Bethel, the house of God, and erects an altar. He, he was laying on a stone and sets that stone up, pours oil on it, and, and declares it God. And he said in verse 17 of Genesis 28, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. And he names it. Maybe... This is what he was reading under the fig tree when Philip went to get him. I don't know. But the point is, Jesus is that ladder. He is the bridge to heaven. He brings words from heaven. In fact, as he's going back to heaven, the last verses of Luke says that his hands are raised and he's speaking blessing until he disappears from sight. And we look forward to his return. So he is that ladder. He is the way. He is the gateway to heaven. And he's building a house, a Bethel, a house of God. Are you glad about it? Welcome to Jesus Is. We are preaching through the Gospel of John. And we're calling this series, Jesus Is, A Journey Through John's Gospel, where each week we proclaim important truths about our Savior. The first week we proclaim Jesus is God. He has always been divine. 
The second week we proclaim Jesus is God's word. He has always been eternal. The third week we proclaimed Jesus is God's son. His word, God's word was made flesh. And last week Jesus is introduced. Behold the Lamb of God. Today we would like to proclaim that Jesus is friendly. I would like to talk to you today about the friendliness of Jesus and focusing on him being our friend. But first of all, I would just like to look at some things about this story concerning his friendliness. In answer to their question, Jesus invited two people he had just met to see where he was staying. That's friendly, right? Everybody doesn't do that. Next, upon meeting an annoying man, Simon, son of Jonah, he begins to affirm the guy by giving him a new name. Now, some people, this would bother. How dare you change my name? You know, what's the deal? But remember, Simon's not a very good listener anyway. Things just go off him like water off a duck's back. And so, but the Lord, being a prophet and the Son of God, and the Word of God made flesh, begins to speak forth his destiny. Now, this is a bit of Bible trivia. There is a name similar to Simon. In English, it would be Shimon. We say Shimon. It means waste or desert. Can you imagine maybe Simon growing up? No doubt he was a handful as a kid. Simon, I didn't name you Shimon. Listen to me. <laughs> I don't know. Christ speaks very positively to a person who had just criticized his hometown. He didn't say, you know, Cain is not so great. No, he just, you know, Cain has got a, some sorry wine. <laughs> you understand that next week. All right. In the next chapter, Jesus fixes a young couple's problem by performing his first miracle. I mean, first of all, the wedding, it was a wedding. It was on a Tuesday. I mean, what girl wants to get married on a Tuesday, right? It was going to be a disaster, and he made it the wedding of the millennium. In fact, now over two millennium later, people still talk about their wedding. Can we say Jesus is friendly? I would say he's friendly. He came to show us what God is like. So God is friendly. Jesus is friendly. Have you become his friend? I'm speaking to believers and unbelievers today. Maybe you believe he died for your sins, but he did that 2,000 years ago, and yeah, I'm going to heaven, yeah, but I'm not, you know, I don't, don't really know much about this close relationship with the Lord. There is a promise in the scriptures that you can. Have a near, draw near to God. He will draw near to you. In fact, I believe you are as close to God as you want to be. What? Yes. He responds to those that seek him. If you seek a closer walk with him, make room for him in your life, you'll receive. First of all, it starts with believing that it is available. And if you're an unbeliever, I want to talk to you about becoming a friend of God. Becoming a friend of Jesus. Now, being a friend of Jesus, I'm not talking about the Jesus that's made in our own image. The homeboy Jesus or the Muslim Jesus or the Buddhist Jesus 
or the Jesus according to your liking, the Jesus made after your own image, the historical Jesus as interpreted by somebody with more degrees than a thermometer. No, I'm talking about the Son of God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who died for your sins and mine, who's risen from the dead, who reigns at the right hand of the Father and is coming back again. Would you like to be friends with the real Jesus? Not Jesus on some baseball team. I'm talking about Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of the living God, the way, the truth, and the life. You'd like to become his friend. There are some misbeliefs that can hinder friendship with Jesus, and I would just like to address a handful of them. Maybe you believe, if Jesus really knew me, he would not be so friendly. He really does know you. In the next chapter, there's a verse that says, Jesus knew all men and had no need that anyone should tell him about man. He knew what was in man. He came to deal with our sin issue. We have issues. If you don't read it, read the newspaper. Even the Hukyanyu. He knows what's in us, and yet he came to be our friend. Maybe you believe I'm too bad to be his friend. I am just way too bad. Well, Jesus' enemies, which ironically were religious people, called him a friend of sinners. A friend of tax collectors, which were like the biggest rip-off artists in that day, that there was the most looked-down-upon career that there was, and he was called their friend. They called him a glutton and an alcoholic because he was friends with that kind of people. Matthew eleven nineteen. But, he said, wisdom is justified by her children. The wisdom of being friends can be seen by the children of that wisdom. The wisdom of being friends with the wicked can be seen when you see the results of his friendship with sinners. Their lives were changed. Matthew Changed life. He was a tax collector. Became a writer of one of the Gospels. A leader in the church. Simon became Peter. Nathaniel became an Israelite in whom there was no guile. A hanging with Jesus. You know, who you are friends with, that's who influences you. And if you're too bad to be the friend of Jesus, it's because you need him to be your friend. You need his influence. The wrong that I've done is more than he will allow for. Really? You know what Jesus said to the man who betrayed him and identified him to the authorities that wanted to destroy him? Judas told the authorities, give me some money, 30 pieces of silver, and I'll get you Jesus. You know, they, they knew where Jesus was in a crowd, but they didn't want to cause a riot and, and maybe people would defend Jesus. They, they wanted to get him by himself. Where, where is this guy at when he's alone or when he's just with a few people? And Judas said, well, I'm an inside man. I'll, I'll show you where he is. And he said, the one that I kiss, that's the one. 
and betrayed him with a kiss. You know what Jesus said to him? His first word to him when he kissed him? Matthew 26, 50. His first word to him was friend. The guy's betraying him and he's calling him friend. So I don't think the wrong you have done is more than he will allow for. Because he was about to die for the sins of that guy that was betraying him. Unfortunately, the guy took matters into his own hands and killed himself. Judas did. People like me do not become friends of God. Just not who I am. Really? The first man in the Bible called a friend of God had been a liar, a coward. Moses spoke to God face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And he was a murderer. So you can't hide behind that excuse. People like you can become friends of God. I'm afraid of what my friends will think if I become a friend of Jesus. Interesting statement Jesus made in Luke 12, 4. He said, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body. And after that, have no more that they can. What can your friends do? They can kill you. That's the worst they can do. I think friendship with the one who could do a whole lot more to us would be a good idea. What kind of friend is Jesus? We see some revelation insights from the scriptures as to what a true friend is. And we'll just look at a few of them. Proverbs 17.9 says, He who covers a transgression seeks love. Now, he was wounded for our what? Our transgressions. A friend doesn't broadcast your sins to the world. Do they? You what? I can't wait to get on the phone and tell everybody. That person's not your friend. Jesus is our friend. And he who repeats a matter separates friends. Love covers sin. A true friend doesn't blab to the world your problems. Verse 17 of Proverbs 17 says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. This is the kind of friend Jesus is. Who doesn't need this kind of friend? Proverbs 18.24 says, A man who has friends must himself be friendly. That's Jesus for sure. But there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Jacob met that friend when he had betrayed his brother. When he was friendless, he had that experience where God met him with the ladder, gave him a vision. That's the kind of friend Jesus is. John 15, he said, Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. That's Jesus. A friend will lay down his life for you. Will be inconvenienced for you. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. And his first command is believe in me. You like to be a friend of God? Day is the day of salvation. Jesus is God manifest in the flesh. And as God, 
He knows all things. There's a theological term called omniscience, or omni, which means all-encompassing science. Omniscience. He knows all things. And yet there's three things he doesn't know when it comes to friendship with him. He does not know of anyone who does not need his friendship. You and I included. Number two, he does not know of any other way to save us from our sin. The sin problem that we have can be remedied through friendship with Jesus. Because he died to pay the price for our sin so that the scales of justice have been balanced. He is an innocent one, died in our place, and through faith in him, our sins can be forgiven. But it doesn't just stop there. Friendship with him brings change in our life where those sins that are happening in our life begin to dissipate. He begins to change us. You're in a room full of people that he is changing. Slowly, we're not just a bunch of people that are just forgiven of our sins, but we're a bunch of people that are being transformed day by day. He's turning us from Simon to Cephas, from Nathaniel to an Israelite with no guile. He's transforming us through friendship. Number three, it does not know of a better time to befriend us now. Let's bow our heads. Lord, I pray for every person in this room. I pray, Lord, that you would cause the truth to dawn on us, that we would see we need a friend that sticks closer than a brother, that even though you're invisible, may we see that you can be seen through the eyes of our heart, that we can be close to you through prayer, through worship, through fellowship with your other friends who are all around us. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would make listeners out of us, that we could hear your voice speaking to us like you. Amen. James chapter 4 tells us to draw near to God and he will draw near to you. In a minute, I'm going to have us stand. Sheikh's going to lead us in a song. Our prayer team is going to line up across the front here. And we'll be here to pray with you about anything, especially about friendship with God. If you'd like to become his friend today, we're here to pray with you. If you'd like to respond to this message, or if you need wisdom for a decision you're about to make, or you want to draw closer to the Lord, or you need healing in your body, you have a prayer in your heart that you would like for someone to agree with you in prayer on, we're here to pray with you. As you draw near to him, he will draw near to you. But before we do that, I just want to remind those of us who are friends of God, of who we represent. We represent a friendly Savior. Many times people in the world think that Christians are unfriendly. That they're better than, or they think they're better than, or that they're shallow and they don't have empathy for people's problems. The Lord help us not to be that way. Help us to be friendly. Help us like Jesus when we meet a stranger to think favorably of their future. 
to see past their weaknesses. We want it done to us, right? To see past their weaknesses to their potential and even to speak to that in love. That's our leader. That's our Savior. There's so much cursing going on in the world. People magnifying people's faults. The Lord use us as effective instruments of revelation to impart His love In 2007, Lifeway Christian Bookstores did a nationwide survey and discovered 98% of America's churchgoers that year had not invited one person to church. You know why? We're not friendly. So this month, I want us to really make a decision. I'm going to become friendly with the help of the Lord. We're meeting each Saturday morning here at 10 a.m. to go out into key neighborhoods in this area, just go door to door, and to say, hey, I'm from Generations Church, and I would love to give you an invitation. That's friendly. If they're interested in music, give them one of our praise CDs. We've got some new ones out there. Friendly. Who, 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 who would consider joining me one Saturday morning this month? we got three more Saturdays. 10 a.m. That's good. Let's pray again. Lord, I pray for those that need to receive prayer today, those who need to respond to the message and become your friend. I pray, Lord, that your spirit would draw them and woo them right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand. Prayer team, come forward at this time. Join me across the front. And if you'd like to receive prayer about anything, we're here to pray with you. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace, his friendship in every area of your life. May you live in the joy of being Christ's friend. May he enable us all to reflect his friendliness to an unfriendly world.
Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Almighty lift up his countenance upon you and give you his amazing peace that surpasses understanding. Thank you for tuning in today for Worship and the Word with Generations Church. You may hear our radio broadcast again at the same time and station next week. If you do not have a church congregation to call home and you live near the Granbury area, we would love to invite you to come check us out some Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Our meeting facilities are located at 5718 East Highway 377 on the Fort Worth side of Granbury. And our website is at generationschurch.org. to you by Generations Church, located at 5718 East Highway 377 in Granbury. Listen every Sunday morning at 10 right here on 1420 AM.